loved us so much that in the book of Matthew chapter 1, he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. As we think about that today, I want to say, uh, man, I hope you're from word to wonder is going well. Are you enjoying that? Looking at the, the prophecy in the Old Testament, reality in the New Testament. Uh, if you, uh, we've already kind of been in it a week, but man, if you still want to grab a book uh, or, or grab, uh, go to the core, let them know. They can send it to you electronically. I think it may be a link on the website. Is that correct? If you do not have it, go to our website. There's a digital link there and a PDF that you could pick that up and start reading it. And uh, man, I know it'll really encourage you. And today we want to continue that. Last week, Pastor Ralph, I'm so thankful. Well, aren't we blessed to have Pastor Ralph in the bullpen? Amen. Uh, did a great job preaching that sermon, dealing with the very fact of in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And uh, really a two-point sermon. You know, from word to wonder, and uh, when it became reality for for us, I want to talk to you today a little bit more about the word becoming the wonder. And if you have your Bible, we'll pick up and uh, we'll start reading in the book of Luke, in chapter one and verse twenty-six. It says, "In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to Galilee, called Nazareth, to see a virgin there." And uh, her name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, highly favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, would you uh, just draw a little circle around that word you and, and an, error, an error out to the margin of your Bible and write the word me? Because not only was the Lord with Mary, but the Lord is with me. He's with you and each one of us. And it goes on, and it says, uh, it's, it says, and, and you're favored, and, and, but she was deeply troubled. You might want to highlight that or underscore it. And by the statement, wondering, my goodness, what kind of greeting is this? Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Would you circle that in your Bible? Would you highlight that on your smart device and and uh, something, just somehow denote that, because I want to come back to it, that you have found favor with God. Now listen, he says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and uh, will be called Son of the Most High God. And the Lord will give him a throne. might want to underline that, a throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and of his kingdom there won't be an end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have never been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will receive the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the Holy One to be born with God will be called the Son of God. Now, as we look at this today, there are several things that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about when the word becomes the wonder of your life. 
You see, my friends, it's interesting. And when we think about what we're doing in everyday life, does it reflect our purpose? We think about the purpose of Mary and what God was doing in Mary's life and how he was wanting to do something unique. And, and she had found favor with God. And, and what a tremendous testimony of Mary and, and, and her heart and her purity and her character that she had found favor to carry the very Son of God. And we think about purpose you know, man, Pastor Ralph talked last week about if you still have a pulse, you still have a purpose. And my question is, though, does our life reflect our purpose? Does our life reflect what God is doing in the purpose of our life? Or does it reflect our purpose? Does it reflect our will and what we want? And so in this passage of Scripture, there's several things that we understand. Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for Jesus. The Bible teaches that in the book of Revelation. It says, John, uh, man, in, John, in Revelation, it says that John said, Behold, I saw the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. You see, Calvary was not plan B. I mean, God did not look at His Son, Jesus Christ, when Adam and Eve sinned and said, Man, what are we going to do? We've got an emergency. We've got a situation on our hands. What are we going to do? No, no, no. Before that ever happened, before the foundation of the world was ever laid out, before God ever said, let there be earth light, let there be the, the land and the, and the firmament separate, before he ever created the stars and the sun and the moon and the breeze and the brooks and the birds and all of those things, he had already settled that his son would have to come and lay down his life, would have to be born of a virgin. Before the foundation of the world, not only did God have a plan for Jesus, but I want you to know something. He had a plan for you. You know, when you think about that, we look at Jesus and we say, my goodness, it must be something to have had a plan like that. We look at Mary and think how marvelous it must have been to have found that kind of favor that she would have been able to carry the very Son of God in her womb. But I want you to know today on the authority of the Word of God and not some passing trend that before the world was ever created, God had a plan for you. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl... In every village, in every uh, metropolitan area, in every nationality, in every nation, with it, under every king, under every president, under every prime minister, every man and woman, from, from Adam and Eve to the very end, God had a plan for. I'm telling you today that God's got a plan for you. We were discussing, uh, Pastor Lance and I, just this week, just this week that... That uh, it's amazing at the amount of death that there is. It's amazing how much death there is all around. And it, there's so many people dying that for the first time in a very long time, the overall life expectancy of humanity is decreasing. Now you think, well, that can't be. People are living longer. President Bush was in his 90s. He just died. I, Brian's aunt yesterday or was, 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 in her, was in her 80, 88 or something. That can't be. But it is. And let me tell you how. You know why? You know why the life rate of humanity is being cut short? It's not because they had bad lettuce. 
It's not because of cancer. It's not because of uh, some kind of mental disease like Alzheimer's that attacks the brain, a body. It's not any of that. You know why? Because of suicide. There is so much suicide right now that it is lowering the length that humans live. The overall, like, so the age that somebody would live to. The, it, it, that many people are taking their life that are young that it is lowering. They're either taking their life and committing suicide or they're dying by accidental overdose. I don't, I, there's several people, uh, more than I can count on one hand, that I know personally that died in 2018 by not not overdosing, not saying I want to overdose, but by taking a bad drug or something of that nature. That many young people are dying. The millennials are the largest generation. Sorry, baby boomers. There's more millennials today than there were baby boomers. They are the largest generation to ever live, but they are dying at such a great high rate that it is affecting the overall time that humans live. It's bringing the average down. Why? Because they are drowning in hopelessness. Because they are living life without purpose. They are living life without mission. You say, well, what must we do to change that? I'll tell you what we can do. We need a word from God. I'm telling you that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And here's what the Bible says. That there was Mary minding her own business. She was engaged. She had her engagement party. She had gone through the whole, they were in the betrothal period. I mean, you think engagements are a big deal now. I mean, now the cool thing to do is there's this whole staging and videoing of the engagement. I mean, uh, us you know, older folks didn't have no better sense than just drop down on a knee and ask the, 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 the girl you loved with nobody else there. But now it's a big deal. But you talk about a big deal marrying Joseph's day. You had to enter into a contractional period of the engagement called the betrothal, and you had to go through this. That's why he had to divorce her, wanted to put her away privately, but they had never been married. The marriage day had never come, but yet they were already in a contract. It was a binding contract between the two of them. And when they entered into that binding contract, the bride would go home and make herself ready to meet the groom. And the groom would go back to his father's house. And he would begin to add on a room to the father's house. And he would begin to put things in order. You know, today one of the, one of the questions are, well, somebody asks you, you know, can I marry your daughter? Well, are you going to take care of her? How are you going to provide for her? I mean, isn't that a legitimate question? That wasn't how it was in Mary and Joseph's day. When the, when the boy asked the girl to marry him, and she said yes, they entered into this binding agreement. And in this binding agreement, he would then return home, and he would literally begin to add on a room to the father's house. And when his father saw that the son had made all the necessary preparations to provide for the bride, he would then say, son, now go get your bride. The, 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 bride, the, the bridegroom didn't really know. He had to wait for a nod from the father, which makes John 14 even so much more of a greater verse where Jesus said, I am going back to the father. I am going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. 
are many mansions. I'm going to add on to the Father's house. I'm going to prepare a room for you in the Father's house. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you so. And the disciple said, Jesus, when are you coming back? He said, I don't know. It's not for the Son. It's not for the angels. It's the Father's decision to tell the Son when to go and get the bride. I'm telling you today that Jesus has gone back. The resurrected Jesus has gone back to prepare a place for us. And one day, the Father will say, Well done, Son. Go and get your bride. Now, that's what was happening here. In the middle of Joseph adding on, preparing, getting ready. Can you, the, the excitement as he drove nail after nail, cut board after board, covered with sawdust, preparing for his bride. He finds out in the middle of all that, building all that, that there's something happening. There's Mary picking out the white dress, wanting to be so pure as the wind-driven snow. The virgin that she was, everything was in order. Every day she was preparing herself to meet her bridegroom. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of her preparations, here comes a knock on the door from the Holy One of Heaven. And the angel of the Lord said, Hey, I've got great news. You're pregnant. And boy, that train wrecked something. Do you know Mary could have been stoned? Mary should have been stoned. Had Joseph put her away, she probably would have been. You didn't just get pregnant out of wedlock in those days. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Here's what I want you to understand today. When a word of God appears to you, Pastor Ralph did such a wonderful job talking about the Logos word of God and then the Rhema word from God. You see, what happened for Mary was God came to her and gave her the greatest Logos that he could give her. But then all of a sudden, by the time he had finished talking, it had become a Rhema to her. And here's what she said when you go back and look at it. It pleased her. She was happy that this had happened, and she was overwhelmed, and she trusted God that he would perfect all the things that were concerning her. You see, my friends, what I want you to understand today is that when we are in the middle of this, when a word of God appears, when a Logos word of God comes into your life, it can become a rhema. And when a rhema comes into your heart and your life, here's what it will do. It will happen when you least expect it. It will happen in the middle of everything. It may not wait till you put on your Sunday morning best and shine up your shouting shoes and get on to the house of God and all of a sudden you're saying I'm ready for my rhema. No, you may be clicking away at your computer. You may be turning a wrench. You may be milking a cow. You may be building a house. You may be weeding your, your garden. You may be fighting with your spouse. You may be crying over your children. You may be at wit's end corner. You may be on the top of the mountain and just like that, God comes walking in and he says I've got a word from you and I'm telling you when you get a word from God it'll shake you up I don't care how long you've been walking with God I don't care if it's been one year, ten years, ninety years, when you get a word from God it will shake you up and you'll begin to say God how can this be I'm too young I'm too dumb I'm too poor. I'm too old. I'm inadequate. I'm not charismatic. How can it be, God? 
that I have found favor with you. I'm telling you, when a word of God appears, I will shake you to the core. It will cause you to experience a moment of unbelief. Don't be super spiritual with me. When a word of God like this appears to you, you will, you will have a moment of unbelief and you will say, God, there's no way. There's no way. It can't happen. It can't happen. It not only will cause you to experience a moment of unbelief, but it will change the status quo of your whole belief system. Here's Mary going on with life just as she had planned it for all this time, getting her wedding garment ready that she may be presented as a bride without blemish. Well, I mean pure and holy and ready for her bridegroom. And all of a sudden, God says, guess what? You're going to have a baby. I'm telling you that if what's happening in your life is not challenging the status quo, then it's probably not a rhema. It's probably not a significant word from God because he doesn't tinker with the edges. He jumps right into the middle of it. He jumps right into the middle of it. I mean, there you are when a word of God comes into your life. I'm telling you, I remember. I remember when God was calling me to preach. He was messing me up. I mean, I wrestled with him week after week, month after month. God, this can't happen. Lord, there's no way. Lord, not only do I not want to do it, God, I can't do it. And Lord, I'm already married, God. And she didn't marry a preacher, God. And what will I do, Lord? Trust me. That's the only thing I kept hearing back. Trust me, trust me, trust me. When a word of God appears, it will rock our world. It will challenge the status quo. But when a word of God is confirmed, I'm telling you, there is not enough of the king's horses and there are not enough of the king's men to hold you back. When you get a rhema word from God and God confirms a rhema word from God in your heart, in your life, though all hell assail you, you will persevere, you will be steadfast, you will be unmovable. You will be unshakable. You will abound in the work of the Lord because God has confirmed something in your life that is greater than the hanging of the stars and painting of the night sky. Let me prove it to you. Read with me here in the book of Matthew, chapter 1. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, it was discovered that she was it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph was a righteous man. And not wanting to make a disgrace of the love of his life, my words, he wanted to put her away secretly and give her this divorce because he had to break the contractual agreement. But after he had meditated on these things, after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and gave him a rhema and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all of this took place that it might fulfill the Logos word that was in the Old Testament, 
where it was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us, which was prophesied by Isaiah the prophet about 2,000 years earlier. Now, if you don't think that's very long, think about 2,000 years. It's been 2,000 years since the birth of Jesus, basically. So to think about that. Think about that. So go back that many more thousand years when Isaiah received the word that the virgin would give birth to a son and you would call his name Emmanuel, which means God's with us. And when Joseph got up from his sleeping, I underline this in my Bible. It said he did as the Lord's angel commanded him. He did what was said. He married her, but he did not know her intimately, and she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Now, what I want you to understand here is that Joseph loved her. Joseph cared for her. Joseph was crazy about her. And while she was in the middle of getting ready for her wedding, preparing her garment, preparing herself, she was shook to the core. She had a moment of unbelief. She changed the status quo. But when the word of God was confirmed for Joseph, I want you to know that he will take that which is uncertain and make it certain. He will take that which seems unpassable and make it passable. He will take that which seems unconquerable and make it conquerable. He will take that which is impossible and make it possible. He will take those who are against you and make them for you. He will take those who seem to seek you harm to bless you and prosper you. When God is on your side, who can be against you? He will prepare you to face the uncertainty when you get a rhema word from God. In the flesh, you will try to get away from it. In the flesh, you will try to put it away privately. In the flesh, you will try to do the honor thing but in the spirit you will do the hard thing in the spirit you will do the impossible thing in the spirit you will do the thing that man cannot do you will do the thing that man cannot realize you will do the thing that man cannot imagine you will do the thing that man will not allow do I need to go on a little more today I'm telling you that when you get a word from God, you can face uncertainty. When you get a word from God, it prepares you to enjoy the unknown. Yes, I said, enjoy the unknown. Who enjoys the unknown? Nobody that's walking in the flesh. But when you get a word from God. Now think about this. We'll look at this a little bit later in another sermon. But Mary and Joseph were poor. They were impoverished. Matter of fact, when we look later, when they gave an offering at the birth of the temple, they gave turtle doves, which was the lowest offering you could give. They were poor. And God comes to marry a girl that's poor. She's of the least tribe. They're of the, the, the insignificant tribe of Judah. They, they, here's, Jesus comes in and says, uh, uh, you're going to have a king. But he comes to David. He comes to Joseph and he says, Joseph, you want to put that girl away privately. But you remember your father David? The king of kings, the man who loved me with all of his heart, the man who sought after me. You remember David? Yeah, yeah, I remember David. Uh, guess what? You're going to carry out his, uh, 
his kingly lineage, of whose kingdom there will be no end. And hey, it's going to be your boy. See, what seems uncertain becomes a thing that fuels you. When you get a rhema word from God and you do what the rhema word from God says, you will enjoy the unknown. Because it prepares you to focus on him and not yourself. You see, up to this point, think about it for just a moment, and I'll be done. All Mary could think about was how pretty she would be in that wedding garment. All Joseph could think about over here, sawing boards, nailing them, covered in sawdust, preparing a place, putting the floor down, building the walls, covering the roof, putting down the rug, setting the table in place. All he could think about was how pleased Mary would be when he sweeped her up in his arms, carried her across that threshold, and brought her his bride into the place that he had built and prepared for her. All he could think about, it was energizing him. This is for us. This is for us. This is for us. But now all of a sudden, she won't fit in the wedding dress because she's pregnant. She won't be able to go the same way and have the same ceremony because she's pregnant. She don't have the same excitement because it's no longer about the wedding garment. It's no longer about the dress. It's no longer about the flowers. It's no longer about the ceremony. But it's about the word of God that was in her. And now all of a sudden, Joseph's over here. And he's not just preparing a place for Mary. He's preparing a place for the very Son of God. I'm telling you today that Mary had in her womb the very Son Son of God, Joseph was bringing into his house the very Son of God. Now, before you're overwhelmed with envy, the Bible says that I am the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. And when I fell down on my knees and I repented and I opened up my heart, that Jesus filled me with the Holy Spirit and my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you today that Mary may have had Jesus in her womb, but I have him in my heart. Now, why are we living like the world when we have the King of kings and the Lord of lords sitting on the throne of our life? I'm telling you, when you get a rhema word from God, it will, it will challenge you. It will shake you. It will shape you. But when it's confirmed, you will be able to experience the miraculous. When a word of God appears... And you accept it. Oh, my, my. Well, let me put it this way and I'll be done. While they were there, the time came. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And they wrapped him in nasty old swaddling clothes. Was used to rub down sweaty animals. Placed him in a little feed trough. Because there was no room for them. In hotels and inns. When a word of God comes to you, I want you to know it's going to shake you. It's going to challenge everything you believe. But when you accept it and when you see God 
starting to connect the dots. It's going to fire you up like you've never imagined. And when you accept it, when you say, okay, God, if that's what you want for my life, then that's what I will do. He's going to bring forth that miraculous treasure. Not only place it in your heart, but place it in your arms. Because things that are impossible with man are possible with God. I look back on my life and I think about how foolish I would have been to reject the word of God. Because I knew best. I look back on my life and there was a time where I almost rejected the call and walked away from it to satisfy something temporarily. But then I think about how foolish that would have been. I look back on my life now, 20 years in the ministry, which is nothing to a lot of pastors, but I think about, wow, as I told, as I shared with my older daughters not long ago, I said, boy, if my time comes, Know that my life has been full. How can I say that my life has been full if I never received another blessing? My life is, how can I say my life has been full? Because it has been filled with the rhema and I have experienced the miraculous by walking by faith and not by sight. I believe there's some of you here today or watching at home. Boy, you don't know what to do. Some of you, God's calling you, and you're scared to death because it challenges the status quo. It changes the status quo. It eliminates the status quo. It redirects you in a whole different pathway, and it's scaring some of you to death. I was sharing my story when I finally realized I was going to go in and admit God was calling me to preach. I was on a lawnmower. I finally said, Lord, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I got off that riding lawnmower, went in the house. I said, I can't take it anymore. God called me to preach. So I already knew that. Sitting there next to Pastor Ralph, he said, you know, my story is similar. It's a little bigger piece of equipment. I was on a John Deere tractor in the middle of the field. I said, Lord, I can't take it anymore. I got down on a turn row in the middle of a field, knelt down, said, God, I give it all to you. Went home, told his wife, Lord, she said, God's calling me to pray. I already knew it. See, the reality is most people already know God's calling you. You're the only one who still has a problem with it. Some of you just need to say, okay, God, I'm tired. I'm just going to accept your will. Some of you today have accepted the will but it's not yet been made manifest. You're still in the developing stage. For nine months, Mary had to walk down the streets, pregnant, growing, her belly getting bigger and bigger, people snickering and jeering and talking and backbiting and whispering and talking about how, how they were unfaithful to each other probably and, and how I can't believe they were having sex. I mean, this is when you didn't have sex before you got married. Going through that whole process. But while they were, she could throw her shoulders back, walk down that street and hold her head up because she had in her womb the very Son of God of whose kingdom there'd be no end. 
I'm telling you today, some of you got a word from God. You're still in the heart phase. It's not yet been made manifest. The miraculous has not been placed in your arms. You've not been able to wrap it in swaddling clothes yet. But I'm telling you, don't you give up. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. Because we serve a promise-keeping God. That's why we gave you the book, From Word to Wonder. How you could go back all the way to Genesis 1-1 and see that what was spoken in the beginning was fulfilled at Christmas season in Mary and Joseph's life. Verse after verse. It's, it's not that. It, it, it's just God's word. God spoke it and it became the wonder. I wonder what would happen today if you would let the wonder of wonders have free reign in your life. With your head bowed today. Lord, speak to our hearts. I believe you already have. I believe some of your children are struggling. God, let us obey what you're saying. Give us strength to wait for the miraculous. In Jesus' name, amen.